listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Hi, my name's Britt, and it's so great to be here in the first week of Advent. Can you believe it's November? So crazy. We're about to enter that Christmas season after what has been an enormous year. I actually haven't been up preaching for a while. My year has been very, very interesting, as I know yours has been too. But I can actually confidently say at this part of this year that although we've lived through what has been extremely uncertain times, I believe we've been given the gift of certainty. Bit of a weird statement, probably a little bit controversial. Maybe you don't agree with me because this year has been a kaleidoscope of so many emotions and experiences. And I agree with you. There have been so many points throughout this year that have just not made sense. We've gone through loss, grief, struggle, enormous amounts of change, um, adapting constantly. I'm speaking to you through a camera. That's a whole new way for me to interact and preach. There's things that we've just changed and become used to now. But it was really weird to see something affect the entire world. In February, it was like this weird distant thing happening on the other side of the world and it slowly crept in towards us, this darkness, these shadows. For me, my life changed significantly in the first few months of this year. All the plans I had made quickly had a 180-degree turn and some of these things I just didn't see coming. This ranged from changing my home, having to move in a pandemic, from work completely changing, um, relationships being under strain, So many things altered. I was significantly becoming more stressed and unsure of what was next. And I know I'm not the only one. It's looked different in each of our lives. But even as I stand here, and even as you watch this, we are united by that. Not only that, what happened in Melbourne isn't solely what happened in Melbourne. It was in Victoria and Australia and around the world. And do you know what? For the first time, I think we felt something as a whole globe. In my lifetime, I've never seen, like, experienced something like this. It was a new ground. And as things continued to change, it felt like this darkness loomed and came ever closer as it reached us in Australia. Not only that, I felt that in my own life. The external things changed. You can adapt to those. But it's almost as if the darkness then became a shadow in my internal world. Because the things that I use to understand who I am, the routines that we have that tell us what we do, how to operate, where we belong, were gone. Darkness came in. And in those places, as we began to enter this new kind of silence with the darkness, came questions. I remember speaking to many of you about this. These questions that probably were looming while we were doing life as per usual, but never got enough voice to actually be looked at. With everything reduced, they rose up. Questions that were based around things like, who am I when I'm not doing? Who am I when I'm not in my role? Who am I when I'm not parenting, when I'm not working, when I'm not out with others? The echo chamber of other people had disappeared. What is my worth? What is my value when I'm not active? These were confronting questions. Numerous people in my world, and I'm imagining in yours, were asking these. Whether you know Jesus or not, these are the questions we've come to this year. This was the struggle that I reached. 
after I clung to so many other things to try and work out what was going on. I think what made it even more alarming is this wasn't just happening in our individual worlds. The world was asking this question. Different countries trying to adapt in different ways, not understanding what to do next, trying to stop the spread of things and others just unsure of what would happen. There was this cycle of continued uncertainty over and over again, things changing, having to pivot, having to navigate new relationship, new understanding of what it means to live in the world in this time. I got tired. I got so tired of coming up with a new hobby. I got so tired of coming up with a statement that would get me out of bed to be like, okay, well, today is going to be different because no, actually, I can't leave my home. It's the same. I got weary of creating a landscape that was different, trying to use my own optimism, my own thoughts, my own rationale to understand what was happening in a world that felt like it was in chaos. And yet at the same time, there was that stillness, which felt like a dark place not to venture to and yet grew and almost lured us in. There were points where we were literally just sat before it. And it gets tiring doing that running around in the dark, trying to work out what's going on, trying to just create this optimism and hope that something could change. Although these things were all circumstantial that I've spoken about, there was also something else that I know I'm not the only one that journeyed through. A darkness and an inability to hear God. Things that I used to understand him by or the ways that I used to encounter him were no longer there. I couldn't find him. This felt like a deep loss, a darkness I had yet to explore before. And hope was constantly deferred. And as we know in Proverbs, that makes the heart sick. Brennan Manning says that when the shadows of Jesus' cross falls across our lives in the form of failure, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, unemployment, loneliness, depression, the loss of a loved one, when we are deaf to everything but the shriek of our own pain, when the world around us suddenly seems a hostile, menacing place. At those times we may cry out in anguish. How could a loving God permit this to happen? At such moments the seeds of distrust are sown. It requires a heroic courage to trust in the love of God no matter what happens to us. The way I have understood this, what has come to mind as a visual image, is almost as if we have been thrown into a dark room. I don't know if you've ever had that experience or noticed it, but when you've been outside, usually in summer, running around, and you enter into just a house or a darker room, there's a sense in which you're blinded by the darkness, which is an odd thing to say. But our eyes don't quite adjust in that moment. And it's a little bit frightening. It's very disorientating. You're kind of grasping to work out what's going on and don't want to move too much in case you fall over or you're not sure what's in front of you. That is what this year has felt like. Like we have been thrown into a dark room and we can't work out what's going on. We can't determine with our own eyes. And that's when the questions come of God. When circumstances bring that darkness, as Brennan Manning said, loneliness, depression, unemployment, loss of a loved one, betrayal, breakdown of relationship. God, where are you? 
but the invitation is to trust. Never before have I felt my faith be so challenged. Will I trust God when I can't work this out? When those that I usually look to to have answers didn't have them? Trust isn't something that you just get to choose. It's not a practical thing that you tick off. It's actually a continued surrender and a recognition's a recognition of the way that we don't or the way that we distrust in the way that Brennan Manning spoke about. We have these defaults to cling to. We want to ask why. We want to work it out. We want to understand what's happening in our world and create a plan to move forward because that makes us feel safe. That keeps us protected when we're in the dark. But yet there's also something in us that realised this year that we didn't have answers. And there was a hunger for something else, for someone to come with those answers, for there to be change. Romans 8 says that hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. How do we do that, though? How do you hope for something that you don't have? How do you hope for something that you can't imagine? How do we? Come to that space of trust over and over. One of the first things I had to learn, and I imagine many of us have, is to stop asking why. There are things that we are not designed to know. And sometimes that actually brings solace in itself because there is a story greater than us. There is a God greater than us. We need to trust in his sovereignty. Our questions why only bring more confusion sometimes. And that's not just to discount the ability we have to understand the world. That's important. And to ask questions, that's good. But what I'm talking about is trying to create knowledge or answers or seek things in, again, our own will and way. We're not dependent on God when we do that. I spent many months in anger asking God, why? Where are you? Why have you left? Why are we in isolation? Why won't you bring change? I know that you can exhausted by trying to stay hopeful with my own imaginings of what it could be. But actually, I've never experienced this before, so I don't know how. After a while, I got weary and no longer asked why or how. And I chose to just sit in the dark and eventually ask. I was invited to ask who. In Psalm 39 verse 7, it says, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. I had to trust that God was there. And let me tell you, it was small. It was rising each day and maybe saying a prayer, believing that he was present. How he would change things, I didn't know. Remember, I had to stop asking why. When we're thrown into darkness, we have to just sit and wait and trust. Just as I described before, there's actually something that happens in our eyes when we move from light into a dark space. On our retina, there are um, light-sensitive cells called rods and cones, and the cones are designed to take in colour and light. So when you're outside or even in a room lit, they are absorbing that and interpreting it so we can understand what's around us. When we go into the dark, we need different cells. They're called rods. That's when they come into play. But we have to wait for them 
initially our eyes, our cones are trying to adjust to the light, trying to grab it wherever they can, but there isn't light in that space. It takes nearly 10 minutes until your rods adjust and will begin to show you what's happening in the room. And even then it's only in shadows, but we have to wait for that to happen. Just as God gave us the ability to see in the dark if we wait, he has also given us the ability to find him in the dark. To not try and create our own light, to not search and look, but wait for him to arrive and be confident that he will. And whether you've met Jesus yet or not, you will have the ability to see him. You've been designed that way. It's a grace. It's by grace that we can see God in this light. <clears throat> Paul prays for us in Ephesians. And he says that the eye, he prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we, in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us. They go hand in hand, this idea of trusting that God will arrive, that we are designed to see him, to see the light. But it requires a continued surrender to that. What does it look like to wait in that space of darkness for our eyes to adjust? It feels vulnerable. That's why it took me so long to get there. I didn't like it. I was covering myself up with my own ideas, with other ways to make myself feel safe. And I imagine you've done similar things. We all do it. It's this very subtle thing because we want to control. But actually the invitation is to wait. And this is not just waiting on an idea or something that we can't substantiate. We're actually waiting on God. I was reminded time and again by this psalm of the confidence I can have in that, even though I felt so vulnerable. Psalm 25.3 says, No one who hopes in the Lord will ever be put to shame. That is where I was meant to put my energy. Not asking questions why, putting my energy and trusting God, my focus there. The Hebrew understanding of hope is based on God. The Bible teaches us to look back in order that we can look forward and not back to the ways that things were word the ways that things were circumstantially. We will not go back to the way that we've lived life. And some of that's good. But how do we look forward with God? How to remember his faithfulness from where he's been with us and take that forward? That's how we're meant to see. That's what the Hebrew understanding of this is. God's faithfulness motivates us to see and hope for the future. It's solid ground. The words hope in the Hebrew are kavah and tachal, and they mean to wait. So that psalm that I read earlier, Psalm 39 verse 7, actually reads, And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for? You are my yachal. It's about waiting in expectation. Biblical hope is based on God. You're waiting for him. All the times throughout the Psalms that you see this word hope, that's nearly 40 times it's referencing a people waiting on God, not waiting on good ideas, not waiting on the right leader, not waiting on circumstances changing. They're waiting on God. Circumstances will continue to change. We have had the most change I think I've ever experienced in my life. But God remains faithful in that. This is the gift. His certainty is this hope. 
And we need biblical characters to remind us of the ways that we can do this when our circumstances don't change. Think of Job. Think of the pain he was in, the way it progressed throughout his life in this little pocket that we get to read about. Physical pain, loss, illness, death of family, isolation, and other people around him that were doubting. Some of these things sound familiar. I believe some of the things we have journeyed just like Job this year. There were prophets throughout the Old Testament who spoke of God coming. If you read about the context they were in, it's not because they had evidence of that. They spoke of it in a way of believing that God would come. They used hope. They chose hope. When we can't see see any other way, when the darkness feels heavy, when we feel lost in it, when our eyes fail us, when we can no longer sense his presence, will we trust that he is still there? Will we trust that he will turn up? Will we trust that the same place that we feel lost and alone is the same place we will be found, where light will come? Because the king we follow, the kingdom we belong to, is a place where light comes from the darkness. We follow a king who has explored all darkness so we won't get lost there and he has overcome it so we can be confident as we wait. Isaiah 9 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is God's work. The dawn will come. Jesus is that gift, the everlasting gift. In Advent, that's what we celebrate, the coming of Jesus, the light, life. And you know what? I think COVID. I think this year, everything that it's represented has actually taught us how to hope, what it means to genuinely desire God, to genuinely call out for his kingdom to come. I feel that. I have never been more hungry or desperate for light than when I was this year sitting in the darkness, having no answers, needing to be reminded of our depravity, of our need for God. It is so odd to think I felt united with others in this darkness. But I know as I speak, there are others who have felt this. We never sit alone there. Jesus also entered the darkness, as I said before, and he cried out to God. He didn't just run into it, you know, super excited. In the garden, he asked God to take it from him. If this cup could pass me, please let it be. But if you let your will be done, obviously, my paraphrasing. <laughs> if he had questioned God, if he had not trusted to enter the darkness knowing that God would free him, where would we be? Jesus has sat there in that place. And when you cried out this year, He was there with you. 
He doesn't leave you. Even in the dark, we can't sense his presence. He's still there. As I look back now on this year, I can recognize moments where he was with me. Even though I could not perceive him, I could not hear him, sense him. He doesn't leave us there. He never leaves you. He encourages us to sit and wait for God. Kavar, wait on God. Wait for the dawn. And he helps us in that. In the New Testament, the word for hope is ellipse. I'm not sure if I've said that right. (laughs) It's still based on a person, Jesus, the risen Jesus. The empty tomb opened a way and a door of hope. 1 Peter 1 says, that praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is what Jesus has brought. This is what his coming means. Not only was it just a moment in history, it's a living hope. He's alive now. He's with you. Whenever we enter darkness, we know that he will meet us there. As the Isaiah passage said, he's establishing and upholding the kingdom. They are active words. It's a continuation. The things of the kingdom that Jesus does, that he brings, are everlasting. So what is he up to now? What if, as we come to the end of this year, we don't reflect and just think about how great we are at now home improvement, how we've refined our sourdough technique, how well we have adapted to new hobbies, how we're more patient or how much we enjoy the minimal life, all good things. But what if actually in this time of great uncertainty, we emerge as a people ever more certain of God? What if we are confident that this God has his hands over the world and he will continue to bring restoration and life, light into those dark places? What if we become carriers of his light? People that speak of this, who are not afraid of the dark, even though things will change and who knows what will happen next year or the years to come. But we're not dependent on that. What if we are a people that carry the light and become confident and stand alongside others and speak of where God is when you can't find him or see him? a lived expression of God's renewal story. Because our hope is based on him that he's faithful and unchanging. His greatness and his government and peace will be forever. There will be no end. That's what Isaiah talks about. Raymond Ortland Jr. writing about this passage says, the empire of grace will forever expand. It will live by faith in him now if we live by faith in him now, accepting his weakness as our strength and his folly as our wisdom, we will be there to enjoy his triumph, forever ascending, forever enlarging, forever accelerating, forever intensifying. There will never come one moment when we will say, this is the limit. You can't think of anything new. We've seen it all. No, the finite will experience ever more wonderfully the infinite. And every new moment will be better than the last. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is hope. That things could ever 
expand, that God could continue to bring renewal and how we need this at this time. As we head into 2021, 2022, we need a greater imagination than our own. We need to be confident that Jesus will continue to expand things. We need to be excited about a future that we would not be able to have imagined just as much we couldn't have imagined Jesus raising, being raised from the dead. That is what God is up to in this time. What will the future look like? Where are we headed? Take a closer look at your life and you'll begin to see. Jesus has already been at work doing these things. The changes in you are just the beginnings of what he wants to do. That's what he does. God does it through his people, through his creation. The state or process of being spiritually new in the Holy Spirit, that's what renewal is. Those dark places where we can't find a new light, Jesus comes and breathes upon them. And he brings his kingdom in those places. And maybe you've not met Jesus yet, but you have felt that deep ache. As I spoke about earlier, the sense of which you are crying out for there to be something more. And whether you have known Jesus for a while or whether you're yet to meet him, that cry actually won't go away. We're not meant to bear it alone. Jesus comes to bear it with us. But he also said, you will have trouble in this world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have come. I am the dawn. I bring light. I bring my kingdom. It's everlasting. That is his promise. We are designed to feel that, to know that, to not be afraid of the dark because we hold hope that Jesus will come. If you have not met Jesus yet, he desires to offer that hope by bringing his presence to you. He just asks that you believe that he is King and Lord. This is something that we will continue to do our entire lives. The older I get, the more I realize I know less about God, but I feel more certain about his love and his faithfulness and who he is. I don't need to understand that fully, but my trust in him grows. Opportunity to enter the dark, to be raised again, over and over again in our lives. That's what God does. He brings renewal in that way. So I believe as we head into 2021, as we wrap up this year, the invitation, what are we taking with us? We are building new lives with hope. What does it look like to build with hope, to be reformed by this living hope, to be a part of God's renewal story? Our world is in darkness. It needs the everlasting light. There are people asking questions just as much as we are. We are feeling that deep ache and desire for there to be more. Advent is a reminder of that gift, the beauty of that gift. We don't need, God doesn't need our solutions or our ideas. He needs our confidence that Jesus will continue to bring the kingdom. How will you tell the story this year of what's happened? I want to invite you to think about where God has been in your year. That is inclusive of you crying out to him. I'm not going to say that it's been easy or that you have a full narrative to explain, but what I want to encourage you to do is to retell the story from that perspective of hope. Where has God been? Where has Jesus been faithful? Because that story speaks of a bigger one and is so key in this time 
because that is bringing light. That is participating with Jesus in bringing the dawn. As you sing it, as you declare it, light rises. And there are people who are desperate to have that hope. Where has God brought light in the dark places? How are you going to retell his story? I want to end by sharing my declaration, the way that I would describe what this year has been like for me. Let this be my prayer and declaration as I end. A life stripped, circumstantial or divine purpose. The walls of the home you call your life crumble, one after the other, until there is nothing left. Nightfall descends, seeping into your very being, casting dark and long shadows, empty, alone, waiting. Yet, within the depths, there is a light, a light that cannot be snuffed out, ignited long ago by childlike faith. It burns deep within, awaiting to be acknowledged to be believed. That is all that is needed, belief. Belief that the presence never left, the very presence that has explored all darkness, so you will never be lost there. The same presence that will raise this life again, resurrection. Resurrection through belief in the one who can, has, and will continue to breathe upon the flicker of a flame and reignite the fire of life. Life eternal.